0: Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org.
1: This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com/truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K.
0: What is up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. This is going to be a little bit of a special edition of the nerd because it's draft week. So I felt like I had to jump on board with everybody else that's doing draft stuff and make sure that my presence was felt. During the draft week, right? You know, for all the people listening out there. Anyways, I'm super excited, actually, because I couldn't have got, I think, a better dude to come on and chat up football um, right before draft week. Uh, I got Tyler doing this week, which is like we're going to chat up a charity uh, that does really awesome things. This might be my make a wish for the, for the week, right? I'm getting a chat with a dude that is really well-known, knows a ton about football, and that's what this show is all about, was me getting a chance to chat up really great minds, and uh, hopefully you guys get to listen in. So without further ado, uh, Tyler Dune has joined me. Tyler, why don't you take the floor, and if anybody doesn't happen to know who you are, you can let them know a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, thanks so
1: much, Colt, and, and thank you for subscribing. It's uh, it's awesome to have you in the Go Long community, man. Um, it's, it's great to see it grow and just kind of meet people – all around the country and, and a huge I mean the base for my newsletter are our Buffalo Bills fans. Like whether they're here in Western New York or across the country, it just says a lot about the fan base that they've been so supportive, so behind what I'm trying to do. So thank you first and foremost for for getting in early and joining the happy hours and all of that. Um and, and yeah, life, life is good. Just uh Living here in good old Boston, New York, the, the greater Colden, greater Boston, Concord area in the, the South Towns and ready for this draft to get underway because uh, I'm kind of tired of all the uh, the nonsense and BS. It's about time we got this rolling.
0: Yeah, I know. It's like it's, they, they make this spectacle like it's as big as the Super Bowl. Right. And, and yeah. for the most part, it's just listening to people talk trash about kids they don't know. <laughs> right it, like the weirdest thing right that we like and then the next day they're like yeah i told you he's going to be a great player in the nfl you know so it's all over the place the speculations are you know everywhere. it's going to be what's bill belichick going to do to swoop in and be make the best move of the draft it's like well bill belichick doesn't typically do that but okay yeah let's let's anyways go that route but anyways before we get into this too deep uh You've been with Bleacher Report, right? You've been you've been with Buffalo News. You've done tons of different things, and then you kind of mentioned it a little bit already. But your big thing right now is the go long, you know, with Tyler Dune, which is your own kind of like I'm just going to go out and be what I want to be and do what I want to do as a person that wants to cover sports, right? I mean, that is that's the goal? Definitely, I, I think that I think that there
1: is um, a void right now in sports media, especially with pro football. I mean. We're all kind of victims of the same thing here. We're all on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're getting our information in the bite-sized form, um, and I th- I think I've seen it kind of go that direction just exponent exponentially since I started covering the league in about oh seven. I mean, year to year to year to year, it's just it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And I feel like the fan loses out. I feel like the reader loses out. We don't really learn about these these teams and players. Um, like like we should and really what makes the it's make what makes them tick you know the inner workings of teams, kind of the stuff that happens behind the scenes. Um, I mean it's being it's being done in some places, but you know I, I was at a huge company bleach report that moved away from all that. I mean, we were all let go in one fell swoop uh, and, and they moved away from words. So I, I just thought it was a perfect opportunity to try to create something that when you subscribe, I mean, you know you're gonna get long form stories. Like, you know, you, you've probably got to, you know, pour that cup of coffee and take a good 20, 25 minutes to to read that story. I mean, I think that people still want to do that. Um, that, that. There's a niche of people that, that want to learn. And um, so far, so good. I guess I'm f- four or five months into it. And the people have been subscribing and, and loving it. So I, I can't say enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, I... Uh... I'm part of it, obviously. Right. Uh, That's how we connected in the first place. But I enjoy it. But yeah, it's definitely uh, they're not quick snippets. Right. You uh, you need to sit down and be prepared to read. You know, it's a it's a short story in a sense. Right. I mean, and it's a it gives you more of an in-depth look inside of stuff that we should be paying attention to. Right. Because I think like this particular piece about uh, Singletary, you know, talks really deeply about where he comes from, right? And that and that manifests into the player that he is, right? And that is lost on like almost every athlete that there is out there is what truly is driving them to be in this position that they're in, right? So I, I really enjoyed this last one, especially with all of the draft talk right now about how the Bills need a running back and this, that, and the other. But we'll get into that in a second. But I really enjoy uh, what you're doing so far. And the, hang- the happy hour hangout thing is, I think, I mean, it's pretty cool. And uh, it's access to people that, you know, normal people probably aren't going to get access to and you get to hear like other fans asking questions too which is fun right because you get you're like oh yeah I feel the same way dude great ask (laughs) you know so it's really cool I'm really enjoying it so far
1: thanks dude I mean it's fun and it's you know that kind of started off as like you know just subscribers hanging out getting to know each other And, and we still get to do that right like that's how we met like you said um but I'm just kind of going through like my Rolodex and everything I'm like like, Richie Incognito, he'd love to come on. Vince Williams, Andy Janovich, Allen Robinson. And these guys are just – what's cool is they don't really care that I'm not at, like, Bleach Report or at some big publication, and and they really just want to hang out and talk with fans and maybe throw back a drink or two. Um, so it's, it's, it's been fun. I mean, I don't know if you caught the Andy Janovich and the Browns fullback, but, man, I think he had a good uh, 10 – you know, bush lights or so, you know, chewing his tobacco, just telling, telling lies, telling stories. Uh, It's a setting that guys don't get to be in very often. These players, I think they prefer that as opposed to a Zoom press conference where everybody's all buttoned up. I mean, it's it's just an off the record kind of hang with, you know, whoever can make it that Friday, 20, 25 people.
0: Yeah. It's really awesome. Uh, I didn't, I missed the first few after I signed up because of my uh, regular nine to five is like, doesn't want me to have any fun outside of work apparently. Right. So I didn't get to chime in for those ones, but I did attend the one with Richard incognito <laughs> it was, uh, was very good. Uh, that, uh, if you guys haven't subscribed to it, you should, I think just purely for that. I mean, last week it was Doug Whaley and Jim Manos were in there, right? I mean, so you get to chat it up and listen to some guys have some fun behind the scenes. So it's a really cool thing.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, in and the, and the Richie, uh, and you say Richard because right, that's how it came in on the Zoom. He had, he had, he had, he had his full name. Um, you know, but every week I, I do share the happy hours with uh, you know the subscribers. I'll do like a replay. It's unlisted on, on YouTube, and you know only you can see it within. Um, your email, but as you know, Cole, we we could not share Richie Incognito's Zoom happy hour. It was it was a little too extreme there at the end. We and I asked Richie, I'm like, you know, I usually send these out to the subscribers. It's not going to get viewed by a lot. You know, you can trust these guys. And he's like, Nah, we'll just let that one stay in the ether. I, I don't really want people hearing that John Gruden story or that Rex Ryan story or yeah, what happened with Jonathan Martin when Jonathan Martin put that picture out on Instagram threatening his life.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely what you would expect, I think, for uh, Mr. Incognito uh, from doing a little behind the scenes chat with a group of people. So it was a blast. Uh, I really enjoyed it for sure. So uh, like we do like to do on the nerd here too, before we get into more of the deep uh, football stuff is we like to highlight a charity every week, right? So that was part of my goal, um, you know, for getting this thing going was not only for me to learn about things and revisit charities like uh, the charity we're going to talk about today. I'm sure most people have heard of this charity or, you know, have seen what they do, you know, cause uh, they're everywhere. Um, but it's cool to kind of go back and just revisit why they're doing it or how long they've really been around. Cause I don't think a lot of people actually know that stuff a lot of the time is like they feel like they've been around forever. But yeah, they truly have been around forever, but it has like a date, you know, when it actually started. So it's pretty cool. This week, we're going to chat up Make-A-Wish, right? Um, I think, uh, like I mentioned, everybody should know Make-A-Wish or they've seen it somewhere. A a lot of athletes are involved with it, right? So it it gets the kind of the spotlight attention that it should get more, I think, than a lot of other charities would per se. Um, But Tyler, why don't you uh, let me know? Because you you chose why you want, you know, the charity this week. So why don't you let me know why you wanted to highlight
1: Make-A-Wish a little bit? I, I think this is awesome that you do this, Cole. I mean, there, there should be more um, dialogue and, and conversation had around this kind of stuff in this kind of format, and it really isn't. So that's thank you for doing your thing. Um, I just think Make a Wish, Make a Wish Foundation, and I'm sure the listeners know, you know, it's an opportunity for somebody, you know, in a really bad situation, health wise, you know, maybe they don't have that much time left with us can kind of live out a dream, live out a wish that they've always had. And like you said, we always see the specials on, on ESPN and they always make us cry and they're they're deep, they're heavy. And I, I know I can't take my eyes off it. So that's kind of where I learned a, a lot about it initially. My good buddy, Tim Graham here in Western New York, he does a lot of good with Make-A-Wish. You know, I we really should get him on here too to talk about it because I know he's making a huge impact in Western New York and beyond with the foundation. And also what got me thinking about it was just Teron Jackson. He's a coastal Carolina uh, defensive end. That's going to be drafted or, or, you know, picked up by a team after the draft this week. And uh, when we were talking uh, for my story on coastal Carolina, just how, how they're trying to build a powerhouse in the, the middle of ACC, SEC country. Um, he said what really inspired him was his brother was a couple years older, died from leukemia at a really young age. I mean, Teron was only nine. That's why he wore number nine in college. And he said the, what gave him a little bit of joy there toward the end was the whole family went to Disney. You know, they just a trip that they never would have been able to take. Um, they were able to uh, they were able to see a smile one more time, have some fun one last time. They all kind of knew where, where this leukemia was going. And, and just for them to have that joy in such a dark, um, depressing, sad period of, of the entire family's lives. Uh, I know I, I wasn't I wasn't involved and it kind of hit me hard. So I, I think that that's just one family amongst infinite number of families that this foundation has helped. So if people can contribute in any way, that's, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah. I mean, and there's a ton of different ways to volunteer too, right? Like I've kind of premised in the beginning of doing all this with my driver was that not everybody has tons of money that they can always throw or, you know, spare to, you know, give to foundations and other places as much as they'd love to. Right. So like for me, uh, my time is something that I can provide, you know, even though it's not a ton of time or, you know, maybe my voice isn't who they necessarily want talking up their charity all the time or whatever. But, uh, you know, I still think it's uh, something that I can provide some value to, you know, and I have, you know, a son that has cerebral palsy. So So it all hits, you know, it hits home for me as well, right? That it's just, there's more that needs to be talked about. And even if it is these organizations that most of us do recognize with, or we've seen things from them in the past, you know, or like you said, I mean, it's basically yearly on, you know, ESPN, we get to see it, you know, so, I mean, it's out there, but there's a lot of things that it really does that are minute little things, right. That it's not always the big, huge thing, you know, like it actually going back when I mentioned earlier, going back and researching it, it started because of like a seven year old little boy with leukemia, right. Who wanted to be a police officer. So the Phoenix community just got together and made him a police officer for the day. Right. And that was like how it all started. Right. So, I mean, it's, Cool. Right. I mean, it's something that's just simple, a simple little normal gesture of people reaching out to try to help each other, which we don't necessarily see a ton of um, sadly in today society. Right. But it's there. Right. It's there. And it started a long time ago and it's very cool. So I is I think last week, you know, it was another big charity that we highlighted as well, you know, in March of Dimes. But, you know, it's still just things like that that, you know, I think it's cool for people to revisit them and hear about them again. So thanks for choosing Make-A-Wish, like you said. And thanks for that story. For those of you that were part of the subscription group, you would have read that story already from the gentleman from Coastal Carolina. It was a good read as well. Just another drop there. I appreciate it. Yeah, it I promise be, that's not well, why I picked it, but it, it got me thinking about it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. That's that's a that's a really good choice, and it's cool when it attaches to something like that, right? Because part of that too is that I think all of us relate in some way or another, right? Even though you've never necessarily personally been involved with it, um, you now have and it brought back to you. I mean, you mentioned Tim Graham, so you've been around it, I'm sure quite a bit more than the average person. Right. So, but still very cool. And uh, I appreciate that. And like we always do, you know, of course all the info will be in the show notes where you guys can just click and get over there and, you know, figure out if you want to volunteer, donate, or just find out more information about them, you know, it will be there for you guys. So now let's put GM, Tyler Dune on the clock for the AFC East and see how this thing shakes out because we are going to have another uh, draft here in a few days. In case you guys missed it, it is happening. Um, it is the spectacle. So we are going to go ahead and start out. Like I, the first question is, realistically, the Jets right are going to be at two. Do you do you think they should be just drafting here? or Should they move?
1: I think they should take Zach Wilson, and I I guess that's where we're going. I will say this. I talked to Zach Wilson's um, OC, QB coach, Aaron Roderick, and he said you know, they've definitely done their homework. They've had a lot of people through there. He hasn't talked to uh, Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, who would be Zach Wilson's coach, and we all think this scheme would be perfect for him. I just thought I found that kind of interesting. Like, you never know, right? You never know what if they go a different direction. But um, he's what you want out of a quarterback today. I mean, that improvisation, that creativity, that ability to just spin, juke, stiff arm, throw it on your back leg 50 yards on a rope across the field, and it's all something you saw on film. It's not Johnny Manziel hoping a prayer to Mike Evans against Alabama. This is stuff that... He planned out at BYU. So I don't care that it was against Texas State. You know, his competition, I get it. It, it wasn't necessarily the SEC. If it doesn't work out, that's probably why. Um, but the the dude did have 43 touchdowns, three picks. Um, even one of those picks, you know, when I was doing that coastal story, I think it was one of his most impressive throws. Like it was at the end of the first half. He just threw, chucked it up like it was nothing, like 60 yards on a Hail Mary, and it was picked up. It was an unbelievable throw. But I, I just feel like, you know, give me that quarterback over a Mac Jones who's just in the pocket doing his reads. You know, we don't really know how athletic, how much he can move, how much he can improvise. I know Kyle Shanahan seems to love him, but uh, g- give me the guy that can, that can play make.
0: Right. I, uh, the only reason I ask would you stay is because I've kind of been all season. Like, I feel like the Jets are more than just a quarterback away. And they have so much that they could get right now for that number two pick, right? Because there's somebody else that believes that he's the guy too, right? So I just, for me, it's one of those things. But I do feel like that uh, do you say? Joe Douglas is the GM there in New York now, right? And I think I really do respect that he's a good GM and he's, he's going to turn that franchise around. I think he's made decisions last year in the draft that show that he's capable of doing that. So I've, it is tough to move past a quarterback, right? Especially when have now turned this into where there's going to be four quarterbacks drafted in like the first four picks. When we went into this with like, yeah, there's one guy that's pretty good that is probably ready. The rest of them are maybe ready, and now they're all ready and they're going to be great. You know, so it's really awesome. But I I do find it hard to pass on the kid. He you, you look at the film and and especially being a Bills fan, I mean, we watch a guy play smaller schools that's now doing very well in the NFL, right? So it's not hard to believe the idea. I mean, you watch Carson Wentz do it from a small school and win a, get a team. To to a super bowl and well nick Foles was the, the <laughs> final dagger in that but anyways but you can we, we've seen it be done now right it's not like you're taking that leap of faith as much anymore like you used to be when you're like north dakota state huh? or like this or that you know it's like so i think it's cool i i i believe he's going to be the guy and i actually am okay with him being the guy because that does to me also mean that the Jets are still going to be a few years away from really being able to contend with us, which really just makes it that much easier to win the division. I tell you what, man, I would love those
1: Allen Wilson games for the next 10, 12 years. I mean, if he's the real deal, that would be fun. I mean, you're talking about just two freaking fun playmakers that create, um, sign me up for that. And they're really close actually. Uh, they, they talked throughout this past season that they kind of hit it off early, stayed in touch. So there is like a relationship there between Zach Wilson and Josh Allen that would kind of carry on over into the division. You're you're right. They're they're definitely more than a quarterback away. And I mean, they could have just hung on to to Sam Darnold and and given that pick away for a King's ransom like that. They absolutely could have done that. So that tells you what they think about Zach Wilson. If he's the pick. Right.
0: Yeah, my whole idea went out the window when they got rid of Darnold, right? Because that for me was the thing, just keep him. I, I don't think he's terrible. I just don't think you've ever given him anything to work with, right? So I, I feel like they they probably still would have needed a lot more for Darnold to stick around anyway. So why not just new GM, new coaches? Let's just start fresh and see what we can do, right? So I agree with it. Let's go to the the number six pick with Miami next then. If this is all, of course, if everybody stands, Pat, where they're supposed to be and this, that, and the other. Miami's at six. What are you doing? You got draft capital I, for days now, right? I, I mean I mean if I was running Miami,
1: I, I I wouldn't be in the position they're in right now believing in, in two Tags. I just don't see it. I just don't I, I know he had the major, major surgery. I mean, maybe it does take a year, year and a half to really come back from something like that, but he just seemed to play small and everything was checked down. Everything was screened. Everything was just simplified. It was so clear that Ryan Fitzpatrick gave you the better chance to win than to, to a Tagliova. And I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to change. Like, I, I don't care who you put around him. I mean, if you added Jamar Chase, if you added um, Jalen Waddell... I, I don't know. I I mean, we, we, we've seen it before and and Jim Onis would be the first to say, if he was sitting here, like, if you don't have the quarterback, it doesn't matter what you do around the quarterback. I mean, they made that trade for Sammy Watkins. They added so many weapons and, you know, Tyrod was good. You know, he'll get, he'll win you seven, eight, even nine games, but it's only going to take you so far. So. I feel like two is only going to take Miami so far. I could be dead wrong. Please have you back on to apologize if he <laughs> you know, wins 12, 13 games this year. But I I guess they get him a weapon at this point. If, if it was me, I, I would have been thinking quarterback, quarterback, Deshaun Watson. And then obviously that took a turn for the worse in the worst possible way. So you can't necessarily – trade for Deshaun Watson and hold an introductory press conference, proclaiming him your face of the franchise um, with everything going on. Nobody's going to do that. But, you know, you know, if that didn't happen, what a, what a, what if, right? Like if if he wasn't involved with all of these accusations and it it looks bad, I mean, there's a theme here. Um, Where's he? I mean, I think he would have been traded. I think Houston would have had no choice to get something for him. And I know that Deshaun Watson talking to his inner circle He had Miami, San Francisco at the top of his list. He had that no trade clause, so he could have like declined any trade elsewhere. I think he very well could have been in Miami, and instead the Bills, they avoid that. And to your point on wanting the Jets to rebuild, I think the Bills got to be pretty happy that Tua, they got that belief in him right now.
0: I agree with that. I like uh, I've been saying it for, actually, I actually have a, a Dolphins fan on with me here last week. And I brought that up. Cause I said, what if this scenario comes up where like fields, for some reason slides to six, you're seriously going to go. Nah, let's just stay with Tua. Right. Like, I think you'd have to seriously think about that and be like, wait a second. We have another pick here in the first round, right? Like we could still get this kid a weapon too, right off the bat. And he looks better already. Like Tua to me, like, Exactly like you mentioned, he played small. I don't think he can make the throw to the outside of the field. No. I, I just don't think he can do it and I don't under, I don't know how you're gonna think that you're going to be able to win if you can't make that throw. I mean there's gonna be points in the game where you absolutely have to make that throw to win a football game and he doesn't look like he can do it. Now granted, it's one year or whatever. The other thing I really actually didn't like about him the most this last off the season was every time they showed him on the sideline, he's never in the tablet. He's never looking at anything. It's either so they're either giving him like the dumbest playbook in the world. Right. Where he doesn't even need to be bothered or it's like, he doesn't care. I'm like looking at it. Like, dude, Tom Brady has been doing this for 150 years and he comes off the sideline and he's throwing tablets around when he's looking at the pictures, you know, like, like what's going on. That's the only thing that really bothers me about him. Right. Like it was just kind of like, dude, you can't make that throw. They're bringing you in as like, the starter, and then when we hit the sixth inning, they pull you out, right? Like I'm, really? it, it feels weird to me. I don't know. I I would be hard pressed to pass on him, and like you said, I I don't know that if I could right now, if I just said, yeah, I'm going to take Pitts at six if he's there, or I'm going to take one of the wide receivers, and then potentially at eighteen, I could still get Harris, or I could get the running back too. Like I could get you two incredibly offensive, talented people around you. I don't know that that's going to help. Fantastic breakdown, man. I, that, that was so perfectly set on those
1: throws to the outside. You never saw that out of Tua. You know, you did see that out of Sam Darnold, too. That's what gives me hope. with Darnold, he he showed that ability to kind of sidestep the rush, step up in the pocket, know he's going to get smacked in the jaw and hit that throw. The quarterbacks that can can make that throw, I, I'm always going to have some hope in. So I think down in Carolina with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, Joe Brady, Colin Plays, Perfect situation, but but yeah, Miami. I, I I guess they're gonna you know just try to stockpile talent around Tua, hope for the best. I don't think it's gonna end well. I, I think we've seen this story before, especially right here in Buffalo, New York.
0: Yeah, you so if you feel like it's gonna be offensive still either way. Either way, that's where they start.
1: I get you know I think so. I, I think the fact that they committed to him publicly, they, the the decisions they made on with the draft picks kind of doubles down on that commitment that they get him weapons and who knows, maybe he's unleashed and you know, they do different creative things with him, but you still have to make certain throws
0: and, and he proved he couldn't do it as a rookie. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to find out for another season if that's the way they yeah. want to I mean, when they brought in Jacoby Brissett, I was like, okay, so we're playing against Jacoby Brissett next year. Is that what's happening? Right. Cause I'm like, you're not going with Tua, right? Like I don't get it. Like I, I haven't been convinced by anything that I've seen actually. And like even Josh Allen, his first year, there was nothing that made you feel like all warm and fuzzy really, except for he would at least throw that football out there. He would try to make that throw. Right. I don't even see Tua trying to make that throw. Right. Like that's the other piece of it to me. That's the problem, but I don't totally. know. Totally. That, that attempt, that yeah, that fearless I, attempt is what you want to see. Yeah. Like, show me you can at least do it. And you see it. You see that that's the play and that's where you're supposed to go, whether it works or not. That's still where you're supposed to go. And he refused to like do it, which is like, okay, whatever, dude. I, I, okay. I will keep playing it twice a year. Okay. You know, but so... I actually have a little piece of me that thinks Brian Flores might just fool everybody. And he's going to take like Micah Parsons at six and just, be, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a defensive guy. And that's what I truly want because I keep hearing offense, offense for Miami, right? Like that's the way to do it. Get, you get one of the, you get the possibly the best tight end, one of the best wide receivers, and you get a shot at the best running backs. That's what you're going to do. But Flores to me still, I feel like there's defense on one of those picks. You could be right. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. He, he's a defensive
1: guy. He knows what he wants in his scheme. He's very scheme specific. I remember talking to my, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick about this a couple years ago, and obviously he kind of forced his way out of there. He, he hated this scheme. He did not like Flores. He tried to tell him, look, I'm a safety. I need to be able to roam and move. And he's like, no, you're my Patrick Chung. Like, you need to be close to the line of scrimmage, you need to be involved with the run game. And he wasn't going to budge. So, whoever he gets is his hand picked guy. Could it be a Micah Parts? Yeah, that's a great point, Cole. I, I wouldn't be I would not be surprised now that now that I think about it, if if they go defense there, because they got rid of Kyle Van Noy. Some of these signings um they just gave up on. So
0: And I feel like maybe you go that route too. If you're if your Flores and say, look, you want me to keep Tua, then six is mine. I'm, I'm picking <laughs> what I want, right? I'm yeah. picking what I want then. And I don't like if you're gonna make me him be the quarterback, I I'm not worried about his wide receiver right now. Because realistically, they brought in Will Fuller. And I, 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 think that Devontae Parker could be good if he had somebody else around him to support him. He's a big body. I don't think he's superstar status, but he's more than capable of being a good wide receiver in the NFL. So they technically already have pieces. They have Gusecki. I mean, they have pieces, right? So I, don't, if I'm Flores, I'm going. I'm, I'm looking at a generational linebacker again potentially, right? Like, and you want me to believe that two is my guy? So give me the linebacker. T- t- totally.
1: I mean, you right. can I, see that. I it's, man, I
0: I would take a quarterback. You know, if one falls, but yeah, I mean, the fields <laughs> in there, I'm going to be like, yeah, like we're not going to not take fields, right? Like, yeah, everybody's Wouldn't gonna that be happen? fun though? I mean, something's cra- something crazy is going to happen. It happens every year, you know. Yeah. Somebody, I think Atlanta is going to be the first like moving point where something starts to spiral out of control. Like, I don't, I don't know what they feel like they're going to do. They're talking about trading Julio again, supposedly now, like. I mean, Matt Ryan's on his way out. Like, shouldn't you maybe just sit there and get a quarterback and just be like, yo, Matt, we need you to show this guy how to play football for a year. Or... Third final's got to
1: figure out where they are, right? I mean, are you going for it or are you rebuilding? And if you're
0: rebuilding, get the quarterback in there. Yeah, they really don't feel like they know. Atlanta to me has felt like they've really fallen off like dramatically for the past like five years where they're still hanging on to how great things were working, right? When they had Julio and when they made that move and everything was awesome. Well, it looks really crappy in the second half now. Yeah, regain right? Like, so you guys aren't doing something right. But let's go to our favorite team uh, in New England next because they're going to be picking at 15, supposedly. Uh, what do you think they do? I mean, I, I'm confused by the money they spent. Their wide receiver core is, like, weird. I'd be like, so I see your tight ends. You just want us to cover them now because you didn't put anybody outside? Or, like, I'm, I'm a little confused. What do you think? Oh, man, I, w- I really went back and
1: forth on, on New England because – I get it. It looks dumb, right? Any team that spends like that, those first uh, forty-eight hours of free agency, t- typically is going to go five and eleven, six and ten, and regret every one of those signings. I mean, teams are getting out of those. Con- I mean, Miami—they just got out of some of those contracts, and, and it happens every year. So to see uh, New England do it, it's kind of like what? What the hell are you doing here, Bill? Like it's almost like you. He- he, he just said, "All right, enough's enough." Like I'm just going to get who I want, ever where I want. We're going to spend like crazy. I, I think I don't know how this is going to end because I, I still believe, like we were like, I guess the theme of this podcast is like you, you got to have a quarterback, right? And they don't have a quarterback. So if Cam Newton's your guy, you're 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 not going to win. I mean, we saw it; it was historically bad. Um, how bad their passing game was last year? I mean, what eight passing touchdowns? It was it was awful. It was dreadful. Uh, so. Yeah, I think they're going to regret it, but I think ego is in play here. I think Bill Belichick is looking at this like, "Damn it, I went out there and won. Would they win seven games? I won seven games with all these opt-outs and with Cam Newton and with the the guys we had at receiver, you know, Dominic Bird and whoever. What else was like? I'm going to go get studs, and we're going to go win the division. Like I'm sure it's, and we're going to do it my way. You know, whoever's at quarterback. Be really interesting, though, because they're not dumb. I mean, they got to know that Cam Newton's only going to take you so far at this point. So how do they get a quarterback in the draft? They got to get somebody, I I would think, like, and and they're in a position where you would have to move up to get one of those guys unless you're looking at the second tier. You know, we're talking about something crazy happening draft day. It always happens. I I think this is it. I think we're going to see New England try to work their way up, get a Trey Lance or something.
0: Yeah. I think the Gilmore – you think the Gilmore piece is going to be included? I'm thinking they package 15 with Gilmore and try to go up to somebody, right, and just say, hey, look, yeah, you know, this is what it is. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think that with um, is it J.C.
1: Jackson, right, they've got a young corner that they can kind of lean into. I mean, Gilmore's – I love Gilmore. I mean, he's still got some game left, but there was a little slippage, and there seemed like there might have been a little friction between player and team that definitely is somebody they could package.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could feel it last year on defense. It not only was, I mean, they lost a couple of really good players from opting out, right? That'll change that side of the ball for sure. But they are all going to be a year older, right? I mean, they weren't young when they opted out, right? Most of those guys, but, and they brought Vinoy back, right? I mean, so it is, I do believe it is a hundred percent. Like Bill is just like, I'm way better than everybody. I don't It care, is. Totally. Right? Like, it's like, wait, wait, what was that thing we did like 10 years ago that we won with? Uh, the tight end thing. Yeah, let's do it again. Like, nobody's going to know. Right? They and, can't stop us. They couldn't stop I Think about it, too. Everybody's saying you know? that Brady
1: was right. Everybody's saying it was it was Brady and Brady, 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 and Belichick. It was never him all along. I'm sure that bothers him to an extent. Like, this is his opportunity to say, no, I'm, I'm going to get who I want to run my defense. We're going to win my way. And I had as much to say about those rings as TB12.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, another, I mean, hopefully something like this doesn't happen, but I would hate to see like Parsons fall to him. Right. And just cause I'd be like, man, really? Yeah. That's, that's terrible. Like, like, cause I'm, I'm enjoying the downslide, obviously. Right. I mean, you're a bills fan being tortured for years. I'm okay with a few years of this, them just falling off the face of the earth. Right. Now I've, I've always been the guy too, that I'm a big fan of the division being good. Right. I would rather we are looked at as one of the best divisions in football. Right. Cause then when you win it, it actually truly means something a little more, right. It's like, you're, you're not just beating crap, Buffalo, Miami and the jets right now. It's, you actually are having to compete in that division, which will be fun. But all right, so I think we both agree there that Bill might be the the wild card in this, just purely on his. It'll probably be his dog drafting again this year. Wasn't that what happened last year, or whatever? It was, like, <laughs> That's it was the right. baby, his dog, like at the computer drafting or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. It'll be something like that again. You know, where he'll be shooting like a subway commercial during the draft or something to express how great he is. But so then Miami's going to come up again at eighteen, right? And I think we've kind of already hit on what they potentially are going to do, right? It's offense, or I would be surprised if it wasn't a defensive player at that point, if they took offensive first. I feel like Flores is going to get a defensive piece to this puzzle.
1: Very similar to uh, to Sean McDermott in Buffalo, right? We know who's running the show. Um, although I think Chris Greer does have... I, I'm not really sure how that power dynamic plays out, but I feel like... Um, that the floors does have some power, does have some control, is going to want his guys to keep building this defense up with all these assets, similar to what the Bills did with Sean McDermott. I mean, his fingerprints um, were all over some of those early drafts and early signings. So yeah, I think you're right. I think if they go offense first, they go defense second and vice versa. I don't know though. I, I it's so, I, it's hard to even talk about Miami because I feel like two is the quarterback He's not even looking at that tablet and they're running this elementary offense. Nothing really matters for a while.
0: Right. I mean, I mean, I'm okay with it, but whatever. I almost actually wouldn't be surprised too. if They just move 18 and they get more draft capital for some reason. Like I, I understand getting all the draft capital, but at some point you do have to use it. Right. And it does have to be used for something successful for it to mean anything. Right. So but I wouldn't be surprised if they move off of 18 a little bit, too, if somebody wants to chase up for like a wide receiver that's trickling down or something like that. You know, yeah. Again, yeah, that's a good point, though, too, because it's like Cleveland when they went all in with the analytics,
1: you know, with. um, Oh my gosh, so Sasha Brown, you know, or early on, they, it seemed like they were picking 15, 16 times a year, but they weren't getting any talent. Like at the end of the day, I, I get the, the theory, like you want as many darts as you can to throw at the board, and the draft's a crapshoot, and you don't know what you're going to get all, oh, but you still have to be able to, to find talent. And they, they were, were really like Dwight Schrute there, you know, trading one thing to the next and ended up with the magic beans. Right. Uh, the one year think they, they end up with like Corey Coleman. 16th overall, the Carson Wentz draft. It's like he was out of, out of the NFL in a couple of years. I think he stayed, yeah. I was in Buffalo for a little bit. He was in
0: Buffalo like twice on the practice squad. Yeah,
1: just got an awful player that they took when they could have had a, anybody in that draft basically. it's you got to be able to have some talent, and um, we'll see what Miami does with all these picks. They're in a good spot.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely are built to be very successful long-term, right? If they hit even on just a, one of them every year in the first round – That's more than what some teams pull off realistically. I mean, not everybody in the first round is a success, right? I mean, we see it. So let's move to 30. Then the bills are finally on the clock. I've said it. I think I tweeted out a little while ago that this to me is the happiest I've ever been going into a draft because I feel like no matter what takes place at 30, it's not going to be like the chain that's going to determine if we're successful this year or not. Right. I feel like the team is still very good. Uh, We upgraded a little bit. I don't think we're much better than we were at the end of the season, but I don't think we got worse. I think we might've with a few moves, we've upgraded a little bit. I have actually said from the get go, we don't pick at 30. I don't believe we will pick here at all. I think we move um, either way. Uh, We talked a little bit offline prior. I actually was, If I, one player I want is the tackle from Northwestern and we got to go up to get him and I would be okay with being going up and getting him. And I understand it would be a lot of capital to move up to get him for a guy that I'm just planning on sitting on the bench for a year. But to me, he's tackle guard center. He fits the mold for what we like to do. We rotate him all around. He is now the backup center behind Morris, who's probably not in Buffalo after next season. But who do you think the Buffalo Bills are going to select? And do you think they'll be at 30?
1: Whoever they select, and I know it can seem myopic to think this way, but you have to think of Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, right? He ain't going away anytime soon. Like, that's what you have to get past the quarterback that your owner loved once upon a time when nobody did. Like, it's ironic, but the, so I, you keep, I think you need a pass rusher. They didn't get one in free agency, and we'll, we're going to see how this plays out because, and I, and I praise them too. I mean, to be able to keep your own is huge. Matt Milano at that price. Unbelievable, Micah Hyde, um, but Daryl Williams, everybody that they wanted to to keep, and and I think they upgraded going John Brown to Emmanuel Sanders at a a really team-friendly rate. We'll see what happens at tight end, but um, they could have gone out and just signed a pass rusher. There were some pass rushers to be had. Now they would have had to change some contracts, maybe let some of these guys go. But a Bud Dupree, I mean, we know he can get after the quarterback. Unique Ngakwe. Maybe a little bit of a head case, team to team to team to team, but we know he can get after the quarterback. A, a specimen like that, I felt like they, to get past Patrick Mahomes, you need him running all over the place like a chicken with his head cut off like he was in that Super Bowl. I mean, Tampa Bay had him on the ropes. I mean, Mahomes was phenomenal. <clears throat> I mean, he really was. Like some of the his incompletions, it's like, I don't even know how he got rid of the ball. I mean, he, was just, he couldn't even breathe back there. And against the Bills – two weeks prior, AFC Championship game, he didn't even break a sweat. So what has changed? Not much. Jared Hughes got older. That's about it. Um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'm not, you know, a a draft Nick. I'm not grinding the all 22 here and and mocking 30, 40 times. But I I would think an edge rusher. I mean, just catching Miami, like Jalen Phillips seems to be pretty good. (laughs) I I mean, somebody that's going to, Scare you um, if you're Patrick Mahomes if you're Andy Reid and you you do, you just need a disruptor in some form or fashion because as, as as solid as they were a defense let's not forget early in the year they really weren't I mean their run defense wasn't very good they weren't getting the turnovers on the back end they they picked it up as it got going but there's not many guys on that front seven that that scare you I don't know there really is. Jermaine Edmonds uh, who knows what he is still
0: yeah. Uh, they're definitely an inter- interesting position. That's why I was kind of like, you know, I don't really think we can do anything wrong, right? I think that if if we went with an edge guy, it would be fine. Uh, if we drafted another cornerback, I would I would be okay with that too. I mean, I, I can see the need to try to want to still f- fill two, even though I think that competition there right now is exactly what they want. And with a, another vet maybe coming in at some point to spur it a little bit. But so for me, it's been I. That's why I wanted to go up like and just be like, hey, let's just go up and get a guy that I truly believe in that I think could be a difference maker long term for the team. And like we talked a little offline, I'm, I'm a fan of the offensive line. Like uh, one of the best signing for me this offseason was we locked up Williams on the right side. I mean, you've got both your ends are locked up for four years for your guy that you're about to sign to a potential five to who knows how many year contract that he they're going to be blocking for him. Right. I mean, but the interior of your line is in question. Uh, You had one of the best centers in the league, and you know health and things have diminished him a little bit. Why not score a phenomenal kid right now that could be the long term? inside for your quarterback for the long term but I uh, to me I see the edge the edge rusher thing has to happen at some point they went with it in the second round last year right and it he just hasn't developed into anything yet or realistically I don't sh- I'm not sure he really get was given the opportunity really to develop in the into that edge role last year but he does size lengthwise uh, I, it doesn't feel right for the defense but I feel like they kind of wanted him as that Lorenzo Alexander role a little bit almost to try to stand him up and see if he could learn that way a little bit. But yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting. Like your article that came out today that was running back, right? Because that seems to be the hot topic for Bills, running back. I I don't see it. I mean, I just I, – I can, I can love those guys right there at 30. I really can. Like the Clemson kid, like I don't view him as a running back. I view him as a weapon. Like we could put him anywhere we wanted at any point in time. But I had somebody tell me a little while back that – and it really clicked with me was like for as much as we run is that true value spending that pick on that guy because how much are we really going to use them 10 times in a game like five guy times in a game like we didn't we didn't really go to our running backs very often right so it's interesting Yeah,
1: that's the thing i mean they have to though i, I think i mean it was great they they tore through their schedule in november and december and Nobody could keep up with them. It was it was kind of a joke. I mean, really, they've just sprinted away from teams by the third quarter. But then you get into the playoffs. And the running – I don't know. I know there's a lot of people who disagree with this take, but I think the running game still matters. And You've got to be able to run the ball that time of the year at some point, even with – the elite quarterbacks. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is ringless without James Starks. Um, he had like a, a buck 25 or something in the wild card NFC championship game, just pounding away against Chicago. I mean, a guy like Aaron Rodgers needed it. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, maybe Damian Williams should have been the MVP of that Super Bowl a couple, couple years ago. You can really go through every Super Bowl and every Super Bowl run and say, at, at this point, this team with this quarterback and this offense that seemed to throw the ball all over the place. They had to run the ball because teams are going to dare you to. They're going to sit back with two safeties. They're going to take away Beasley and Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders and, and all these weapons. And and it, you're going to have to be able to just say, all right, we've got this super light box. Devin Singletary, go to work. I, I think the Singletary can't. I think the Zach Moss could. But they didn't try. <laughs> the Bills didn't even try. I mean, that Baltimore game, they threw the ball every play in the first half. Or I think maybe they ran once, but, like, it was unbelievable. You've got to be able to have some semblance of a ground game, but I don't think they need to go add somebody to get it. I think it's in-house. You just took two running backs back-to-back years, but at pretty premium
0: draft picks, just try this year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I actually felt like running back might've been the spot until we brought in Brita. When we brought in yeah. Breda, I was like, okay, that we're not drafting a running back. Like, why would we now? He, he feels a little bit of the speed role that we felt like we were missing. Right. And yeah. he, he can catch the ball. He can do a lot of the things. He's a pro, right? Like it, it, it made sense to me. So after that, I was like, yeah, I don't buy the running back, but I'm not going to be stunned either, but it just, it doesn't feel like this is the year that we're going to draft a running back. Right there, I'm not saying we won't take one, but I I don't feel the need that we need to at this point with the Antonio Williams around and the guys that we already have on the roster that is necessarily ready. I mean, if you're asking the offensive line to block for 50 passes and then like, hey, do 10 blocking, pass blocking, pass blocking. All right, now run. It's hard to like shift for them, too, as well. Right. So that's such a great point. I mean, you're a lineman
1: guy like that. Nobody talks about that enough. These guys are backpedaling. 50 times a game, and then you're going to say, all right, no, now you're going to move forward. Like, if you're an offensive lineman, <laughs> right, we had Richie Incognito on there. Like, yeah, he, they, they want to be moving forward. They want to be kicking ass. Like, they don't want to be pass blocking the whole game. I mean, it, it plays into the attitude of
0: your team. Right. Right. Well, I think the draft's going to be fun either way, right? I mean, there's they're talking like – well, I mean, last year they were talking like it was going to be a madhouse too, and then like nothing really took place all that crazy. But this year I have a feeling like we're going to see a lot of names flying around. I mean, you had a lot of kids that didn't play last year that some teams are going to have to make decisions on if they want to draft them early, right, without seeing them play a whole season of football. Um, you know, I'm a fan of it actually. I mean, it's a, a year of rest on the body, and I doubt the kid was just sitting around, right? I right. mean, he's one of the top tackles in the lead, in. Coming into the draft, still, he's going to get that Slater kid that I like. I mean, he's going to get drafted top 20 probably, and he didn't even play last year, right? That should tell you how good the kid is, right? Like, yes. I, that, that's what I'm looking at, you know, as moving forward. But I know you got a busy day ahead of you. So let's move on to the next segment that I just introduced last week. I kind of am having a lot of fun with the idea so far. So hopefully you'll get a kick out of it. But we're going to move into the nerding out section. Uh, during this section, I just, we're going to ask some, like, kind of off the cuff little bit of stuff just to get a little bit of, to know a little bit more about the guests, kind of what they're up to, that kind of stuff. So the first thing Tyler is, uh, what are you reading? Or what's your favorite sports book you've ever read or what are you reading right now? Or like something that you would say, Hey, if you're, if you're like a sports nerd and you like reading about sports, you got to read this favorite book of all times,
1: a tough one. I think, um, you know, what's right up there, play their hearts out by George Dorman unbelievable book. If, if you, I mean, for any sports fan it's, it follows, um, Uh, An AAU basketball player from the time he's just a little kid all the way through high school and just how that AAU scene just basically kind of ruined his basketball life and it's it's kind of sad but it's very real and what has kind of um, corrupted youth sports across the country so that that's right up there right now though I'm reading America's Game Michael McCambridge a little late to the party on this one but it's. Required reading for any football fan. Unbelievably well documented. You know, I've always been kind of ignorant when it comes to the fifties and the sixties with this game. Um, I mentioned Tim Graham earlier. I, I love to uh, make fun of like that era. Cause he's, I think he loves Otto Graham and you know, was he a, a shoemaker on the side, you know, was he baking you know, bread to defeat it? Like, but when you actually learn about those early days, man, it's fascinating. There's so many things we take for granted. Um, today that to learn how Paul Brown, for example, just started the taxi squad and just the idea of position coaches and sitting in meetings to study the game and like all these little things. Um, And back then, like these teams all lost money. Like the NFL almost just died. It died off because nobody could make money. And they they figured out how to incorporate TV with the blackout rule. I mean, I could go on and on nerding out about this book, but it's, it's phenomenal. And uh, Michael McCambridge is is one of the best writers documenting this sport that there is.
0: Very cool. I like that. I'm uh, reading right now. I'm, uh, have you read uh, Take Your Eye Off the Ball, the Pat Kerwin book? Yeah, I'm Great in that book. There's right? a couple editions, right? I think I just read the first one. Yeah, he's got like a newer uh, edition of it out right now. That's the one I'm reading. But I yeah, just, the, the concept, like I immediately just, the first few pages, I was like, oh, yeah, you could totally track football like baseball. Yeah. It's amazing, right? Like, I. <laughs> I'm so busy now. Right. I'm like, now I'm going to be like in it doing that, but very cool. So next thing up is what, what brought Tyler to football or what do you, what do you just love about the game so much? I mean, you spend a lot of time writing about it. You talk about it. I mean, what, what got you here?
1: Definitely playing it. Um, I started playing football, got as early as I can remember. You know, third grade, I think, is when you could start playing peewees down in uh, Salamaica, Ellicottville area here in western New York. And just just loved it. Played my whole life. Um, w- went to high school at Ellicottville. Played quarterback, actually. And we, we had some success. Not to sound like Uncle Rico, but we had a pretty good team, Colt. Uh, we went to Ralph Wilson Stadium three years in a row. Won there once. We're a game away from State's. Um, it was fun, man. We were a small school. I went to a class D, which is the smallest at the real. I grew
0: up in Fillmore. Get out of here. Are you serious? Yeah. So I was class D as well. When did you uh, go to Fillmore? I was there. I graduated in 2000. Oh, yeah. my God. Okay. okay so I spent then, my whole life down there. I, I left uh, Fillmore like when I was like 21, basically catch we, we played Fillmore in basketball yeah. yeah I remember that well
1: they had a good team they had a good team but here's the thing though we went we went two a 19 one year and one of our wins was against Fillmore when Fillmore was actually good
0: that wouldn't surprise me we had a, we had this knack of finding a way when it meant something we would find a way to just like fall apart for some reason <laughs> I don't know what it was it always seemed to happen but yeah I mean growing a small town fun though still I mean we didn't have football because we were even smaller than Ellicottville I mean that's so but yeah but there's
1: a kinship between guys like us right when you come from class d and you just you know yep. you're just you're driving an hour and a half to games through the cornfields it's uh it's special
0: it's special right. it's like if you ever played belfast in a frigging winter storm in october for a section five title i don't think so sayo
1: always, out there right
0: yeah they always yeah, were Allegheny county that. man they're different out there <laughs> yeah that's funny though so cool uh, so next one up uh this one is always fun because I, you know, it's a, what's your favorite podcast? I mean, obviously you should say this one, but we're not going to force you to say that. And you do have your own, so you can say <laughs> your own um, No, no. or you could wait till the end to bring that up. But what, what do you listen to a lot? What's like your favorite podcast you get into? It's definitely uh, the Adam Carolla show. I,
1: uh, I'm a huge ace, ace fan. I, I've been in to him. God's early on. I mean, he's, he started this whole podcasting thing. What, like 10, 15 years ago? So um, I, I try to, you know, find uh, an excuse to pop that into my ears whenever I can, you know, whether it's mowing the lawn, working outside. It's just, you know, it's common sense. It, it, it is, you know, he, he has an opinion on everything, but he does it in a very comical, funny, common sense way with incredible guests. He's an incredible interviewer. Um, I think he's the best that there is going in podcasts.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I loved him all the way back from doing everything in the man cave and every, you know, even before that, you know, when he came out with his movie. Uh, the hammer is it called? I think that Uh, that sold me on him a hundred percent after that. I was like, this is absolutely hilarious. You know, and his little sidekick running around with him all the time. Yeah. It's great. And I think that's a undervalued point. A lot of the time is uh, it's really easy to listen to people that are just talking with common sense. Like they don't, they don't like try to like be like, I'm super cool. Listen to me, throw a bunch of crap at this. It's like, no, why don't you just basically think of it like a normal human being would and uh, come up with an answer. But Very cool. I love Adam Carolla too. So cool. Last one up for you. Uh, Number four, worst play call or like play or like player that you remember (sighs) something that you were just like, this was like the worst thing that ever took place or that call was just so friggin' bad or like this player, just that season was just the worst bills related. I'm guessing anything, anybody whatsoever Mm. football related. Well, I loved the Rob
1: Johnson decision over Doug Faludi. I think you know Ralph did a lot wrong, but it was right to step in there. Big, big Rob guy. Uh, you know what? This it's probably not the worst ever, but I might as well just continue to beat this dead horse for your listeners. I mean, what? I just still don't understand what Sean McDermott was thinking in that AFC Championship game to to kick those field goals and the justification at the end of the first half saying he needed to, for morale, like get points there after the long drive. What? So you could lose by less. Like if you're in arrowhead playing Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs, like go for it, get, get, get the touchdown. You've got this MVP candidate of a quarterback, let him just boot and do something. Um I, you could have turned the TV off right then because they were playing, not, not to lose. And they were absolutely going to lose thinking that way. So not the worst ever. Now there's a lot, a lot of worse calls out there, but um, to be a prisoner of the moment and point to one thing, it's like, you hope, you hope that he learns to, to change that up. And it's a tricky balance because like, I, I get it. Like we're just talking about needing to run the ball like that time of year. I'm not saying when I say that, I don't mean like give Devin Singletary 30 carries, but like, you got to be able to run the ball when they want you to run the ball. And then if you have the chance to score a touchdown like they did at the end of the half, like just do it, just go for it, be aggressive. And they were most of the year, they really were.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because I, I think a lot of it, and you wrote about this in your Singletary article, is like a lot of it all pointed to that pass, right? Where that that to me, I I remember actually saying, I'm like, that just changed everything. Like that right there looked like we actually had the game plan in place to go out and beat them. Like we were ready to do it, right? And then that that almost made me feel like then that moment he was like, Whoa, okay, well, we're not quite there yet. So let's just take what we can get. And it was like, no, you were all over them. You were all over them. Keep being all over them. Right. So I, I agree with you. It's tough. And I mean, like I'm not coaching an AFC championship, obviously. Right. So, I mean, it's easy to sit here and say that now, but to me, yeah, I think McDermott, that has always been kind of his hang up a little bit is some of the decision-making stuff. Yeah, and I know he does the analytical stuff and I can, I can be down with that. And I like that, but sometimes I feel like he goes with it. And then other times he chooses, that's not the route he wants to go. And it's like, wait, wait, why did you choose in this moment not to go that route? It's an identity right. crisis, you know, I mean, talking
1: about everything they need to do in free agency in the draft. Maybe the number one thing Sean McDermott needs to do is just kind of like look in the mirror and say, I will never kick that field goal again. I will try to win the game.
0: Well, I think that comes with winning more, too, right? The more that this team wins, the more they're going to have that instinct where it's like we don't it doesn't matter we're taking the field goal here. That's what we do. Right. Totally, that, get totally. That mentality. But so we're just uh, getting here to the end. So before uh, we take off, Tyler, uh, you got anything out to that you want to shout out about that you're working on anything, you know, that we haven't hit on yet. Oh
1: man, I appreciate all the love you've been given go along here. It's uh, d- definitely, if you're thinking about subscribing um, to my newsletter, it's a good week to do it. I'm doing 25% off. Sorry if you missed that Colt. Didn't catch that one in time on your subscription, but it's a little draft extravagance deal. So 25% off through Friday. And also you can get a hoodie or a crew sweatshirt on top of that. Access to um, all our Zoom happy hours. We're going to be going kind of nuts this week. So three nights in a row, I'm going to be firing up that happy hour and try to get prospects on throughout the country. And I've got a few confirmation confirmed. Lance Leipold, the UB football coach actually is going to come on too. So that'd be kind of cool. And, um, you know, get some beat writers on from around the country and yeah, it's just a great to see this community grow. And I don't know if, uh, if a lot of listeners like right here too in Western New York, but Wednesday night at Hamburg brewing company, Uh, We're going to do a a live event just to kind of get to know each other, you know, hang out first beers on me and should be a lot of fun. So definitely a good time to get in. I I think that people will love um, the stories that we have cooking after the draft too. i have been holding on to uh, a few big ones until we get through this draft madness.
0: Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, and the the stories you get in the background uh, are super fun. You know, when you're hanging out and doing it like last week, just some of the Talking about coaches on other teams that are—they're kind of stunned that they still are a football coach because they have so much trouble with getting along with their players and things of that nature. So you get to hear—you get to hear some cool stories behind the scenes in those hangout sets. So, and if I was in Western New York, uh, I, w- I would absolutely be doing the live hangout stuff too because it's very cool. And who doesn't like a free beer? And you get to come and just talk about football with other people that want to talk about football. So. Thanks a lot for being here, Tyler. Uh, I love the subscription, love the hoodie, Um, wearing it right now. Um, So it's been a lot of fun being part of the community so far. Uh, Can't thank you enough for coming on and spending some time with me today. Um, For all you guys listening out there, um, have fun. Enjoy the draft. Uh, Remember that it's not going to change the entire season. Uh, We still have a really good football team. So don't freak out too badly if things don't go our way. Um, But (laughs) thanks for the love. Uh, You guys know where to find me over at the Buffalo Nerd. And of course, I'll have all the everything in the notes for you guys to connect with Tyler and, you know, to hit up uh, over there with uh, Make-A-Wish. So thanks a lot, Tyler. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, Colt.
1: review and subscribe so you never miss another episode we'll see you next time Leggo!
0: without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done